Welcome to Oh No Not Them. I'm your host, the eternal idol, Eric Stroll. And with me is my cohort, my co-conspirator, my compatriot, Bill Solt, international yacht broker and man at leisure. I am the Joey Styles to your Joe Gertner. And I am a good God damn handsome man. So, the premise of this is basically you've got two assholes sitting here just talking about whatever comes to mind, anything that we enjoy, whether it be pop culture, music, sports, news. Okay, one asshole in me. You know, I, I was really hoping you were going to just, you know, be classy with this the first time out. I was really hope, but at least I can to class. You like school on a Saturday. You got no class. <sighs> but anyway, <clears throat> tell you a little bit about ourselves. Um... We're both just a couple of regular schmoes who have eclectic tastes in humor, music. But the cool thing is our eclectic tastes kind of coincide with each other, if not match up equally. We've known each other for what, uh, 30 years? 1989 it was. Oh, Jesus. 1989, Dorney Park. Yes. Yes, you are responsible probably for this long hair. It, indirectly, I mean, I was respectable, you know, at the beginning of the year, and then I, you know, I couldn't get a haircut anywhere, so I just let the grow out. Yeah, well, blame me. <laughs> yeah, uh, like I, like I said, we've, uh, well, like, like Bill said, since 1989, this has been a nonstop friendship, except for a period of about two years where Bill wasn't allowed to talk to me because I did some dumb shit at a New Year's Eve party at his house. But that's another story for another time. And there was a time you were in Panama. Well, I, I think I still sent letters occasionally. I actually have two letters that you sent me. Okay. I still, I still have them. Wow. Yep. Your handwriting is, I mean, I, maybe I should bring them down one day. You can decipher what you sent me all those years ago. Oh, I'll do that. That'd be, <laughs> that, that would be funny. Oh, God. Uh, artifacts from Panama. Holy shit. Uh, speaking of which, my sister actually was, she was given a box of stuff out of my mom's house and she's going through it and she found something that I've been looking for for probably the last 10 years or so. She found my old unit patch from my uniform from the unit I was with in Panama. So that's a that was a pretty neat thing to find. Yeah, I've been fine. I've been finding relics on my past uh, these past couple months. I've been going through a lot of stuff that was in my mom's attic. And, and wow, there's stuff that I don't even remember her ever having. She had fascinations with owls for some reason. With owls? Yeah, I dug out a whole box full of them. Uh, plastic owls, uh, pictures of owls, uh, sculptures of owls. It's, it's very odd. Hmm. Well, some people, uh, you know, like my, my, my mother-in-law is into elephants. My mom's into unicorns. 
your mom was into owls. It's, you know, everybody's got their thing. You're into large plastic penises. Once, oh my God, this is. You are as classy as milk mixed with mayonnaise. <laughs> I'm telling you that. Has anybody tried that? There's probably some people out. You know what? Based off your friends list, yes. This is true. And I'll tell you what is a really good combination. Now, this is this may sound odd, but I have done it. It wasn't a dare. I actually did this on purpose. Probably boredom. I uh, dipped Reese's peanut butter cups in ranch dressing. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> wait, wait, what? <laughs> it actually tastes really good. I, I challenge anybody to try it just once or trick someone into trying it somehow. That I could go for. Trying it? No. That's just not going to happen. Not today, not tomorrow, not never. It actually tastes really good. Look, you dip your wings in them. That's more unnatural than chocolate. I don't dip my wings in ranch dressing. Oh, are you a blue cheese person? No, I'm a no dressing guy. I want my sauce unadulterated, you heathen. And so much for agreeing on everything. <laughs> that would make this boring. So, what's going on in the news today? Well, we'll start that off with a joke. Okay. What do you call a guy with no arms and no legs and a DUI? What? Arrested. <laughs> a 22-year-old quadriplegic in Maryland this last Friday got arrested for not only DUI, but evading the police and then eventually smashing into a police car. Maryland? Yes. How the fuck did this not come out of Florida? Well, I, I, from what I've been seeing on my Facebook feed, Maryland's a little bit more messed up than Florida. That I find hard to believe. I, I mean, the game, is, the game is Florida man and your birthday, not Maryland man and your birthday. I don't know. It's a smaller state, I think. That's the one near Virginia, right? Yes, it's between <laughs> Virginia and Pennsylvania, you fucking dolt. I know it's somewhere near Baltimore. So what? <laughs> somewhere near Baltimore, he says. Oh, this is why we can't have nice things. Anyway, yes, so he got so. Uh, you know, it makes you think, you know, if this person can do all this, you know, what have you done with your Friday? <laughs> I just want to know how he's operating the vehicle. Homie is a quadriplegic. Mm -hmm. That means no use of the arms, no use of the legs. He, uh, he, he, he's Stephen Hawking without the intelligence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, it's just amazing how far we've come as a society. Yeah, but quite possibly in this instance in the wrong direction. Well, that I, I tell you what, that beats the dude here in Palmerton that got busted for a DUI on his lawn tractor on Hazard Road. That does not surprise me. Dude, legit happened like five years ago. Okay. Wait, wait. Was it you? No, it wasn't me. Okay, all right. I wasn't living on Hazard at the time. I was already here. Okay. And when I lived on Hazard, I didn't have a riding mower. Okay. Yeah, th this town has, has its share of, uh, of eclectic lawbreakers as well. Yeah, you could say that. Like the dude uh, just a few, uh, just about a week and a half, two weeks ago, that stole the delivery, the delivery car from in front of Papa Al's. The pizza place. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, and then I, I, I posted a comment to 
the Times News news story, the paper, no, newspaper's news story um, about, you know, maybe just try not to steal. And somebody actually replied to me that I don't know their circumstances and maybe he needed the car. No, no, that doesn't matter. That, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I saw the, like, I, I do try not to post cause, uh, on those because I'll end up just getting into a fight with somebody over something dumb. Yeah. But the ones, most of the ones that I saw were blaming the driver for leaving the keys in the car. Yeah, that was, an, uh, that was another common thread. You know, now many, many years ago, you remember when I had that piece of garbage Monte Carlo? Yes. The one night I accidentally left the keys in it outside of uh, mugshots. Yeah. You know, and, you know, and I, you know, and the reason I left them in there, though, was because I couldn't get them out of the ignition. Uh huh. And tell let's tell full disclosure. Why couldn't you get them out of the ignition? Because I left it in drive when I parked. Yes. So, but nobody would have had a right to steal that car. I think if they would have, they probably would have brought it back within about 10 minutes. Probably. I I don't want this car. I I remember that car. I remember it well. Oh, that, that was a piece of garbage. Oh, <laughs> I don't think it was worse than the AMC that you had, though. No, the AMC was the best. Yeah, the AMC was one of my favorites. Well, the, you... Chev- the, the Chevette was the worst. Oh, yes, yes, with, yes. With yes, no yes. heat in the winter. Oh, God, that was horrible. But yep. that's, the, that's the one that I, I hooked up. I took the inverter into it to the, uh, the 110 and put a house stereo as my radio. Nice. Modern problems call for modern solutions. And that's how, you know, you get to dipping peanut butter eggs in ranch dressing. No, 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 no. To quote Jules Winfield, this isn't the same sport. This isn't the same game. This this ain't even the same fucking sport. Or whatever the fuck the quote is. You know what I mean? We're talking apples and oranges here. From that was Pulp Fiction. Yes. Okay. Yes. See, I I know the movies. You might know the quotes. Right. So, a friend of mine, uh, who's who was one of the first ones to follow the page on Facebook about this podcast, uh, he's a excellent, excellent individual, fine young man, uh, Matt Dorsheimer. He uh, I put I put out the call to. Uh, get topics for what to talk about. And I wanted to talk about this anyway, but he suggested that we give a uh, give our thoughts on the passing of Eddie Van Halen and his influence. I'm going to let you start. Well, I'm going to be honest. Um, I was not into Van Halen at, I guess we would call the height of their career. Right. I did not get into Van Halen until the third album... Um, when I heard things like uh, Roundabout and Pound Cake. Right. Oh, okay. You mean the third album with Sammy? Yes. Uh, and I really enjoyed that and then started kind of looking into the back catalog, which is where, you know, I rediscovered um, a lot of their older stuff and I really enjoyed, you know, and I became like the, the fan of the Roth era. Right. You know, I really didn't care for a lot of the Sammy stuff, except for that album that's kind of started it. That was a good album to me. Okay. 5150 and OU812, I did not like. Um, but not because of Eddie Van Halen. 
Right. You know, I just think that there was a lot more rock on the early ones. Okay, I'll 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 the old the earlier ones were more rocking. However, however, of our group of collective friends and my group of friends, I'm the only one whose opinion is right, as far as I know. That's not how opinions work. In my world, it is. But Sammy era Van Halen is far superior to Roth era Van Halen. Don't give me that look. I, I, I just think there are more hits. Better hits, you know. I mean, everyone want everyone wants some, or everybody wa- everybody wants some. That one, right? The hamburger one from Better Off Dead. Okay, you know the entire nineteen eighty four album, right? I mean, great album. I won't deny yeah. that. However, I won't go into Stephen A. Smith a second time on this. Uh, however, when they added Sammy to the band. They added the superior vocalist, far superior vocalist, superior songwriter. And they added the dimension of a, of a of an outstanding second guitar player, which allowed Ed to do more of the keyboard stuff that came in in the Roth in the excuse me, in the Sammy era of Van Halen. And you got songs. They were maybe more mainstream, but my God, were they good. See, like I said, I'm, and I'm also a Sammy Hagar fan because, but like I said, like Voice of America. Yes. The great album stuff we did with Montrose, Three Lock Box. Yes. You know. The entire Danger Zone album. Yeah. And I am also a David Lee Roth fan. Ooh, that's where we have to do my, my first CD was Little Ain't Enough. Oh, Jesus. You that, didn't even get the good one. You didn't even the, get Skyscraper. No, my first, my first CD. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the David, I enjoyed David Lee Roth. Right. You know, I enjoy Sammy Hager. I enjoy Van Halen. But that that whole Hager with Van Halen, you know, it's not, you know, it, it wasn't to me. It wasn't like when you got you replaced Belladonna with John Bush for Anthrax. Well, that was a totally different right. vibe. But yeah, but it, like I said, that's what I mean. It's not the same because it seemed like Van Halen was going along that 80s keyboard, mellow, more mainstream path and just need a new singer. Well, that and the fact that Dave was a dick. A, a slight, slight. I don't know the, in, like I said, I don't know the ins and outs of the band. I just listen to the music. I try not to get into the drama that a lot of these bands have. Uh, I, I get it. I get it. I, I enjoy reading about the drama. What's your favorite Roth era Van Halen tune? And what's your favorite Sammy era Van Halen tune? Oh, for Sammy, definitely it's it's uh, Roundabout. Roundabout? Okay. Yeah. Uh, for Rother, oh boy, there are so many that I I absolutely love. See that that is difficult. It really is because like when you just start with eruption, right, and then go right into, um, you really got me. You really got me. It's just it's a wonderful transition, but I know that's not. I don't think that was their song. No, that's the Kinks. Yeah. So, it's oh my god, I'd have to really sit and think about that because I really do enjoy, you know, Women and Children First and Diver Down. Diver Down might be one of my favorite. That's one of the more underrated albums. You know, I, I just... Abs- Diver Down doesn't get a lot of love. Yeah, I absolutely just love those albums. When I was started collecting albums, I made sure to get all the first Van Halen stuff. Right. Like I said, I just didn't care for, you know, a lot of the, the Sammy Hagar stuff. Not that it's not good. You See, know, and I'm not going to put anybody down for liking it, unlike you. 
Well, but <laughs> do you expect anything else from me? Um, you see, I'm on the opposite side. Um, my favorite Roth era Van Halen song is really easy for me to name. It's Unchained. That's a good one. I love Unchained. Great song. Um, but when you get into the Sammy era, for me, it becomes a little more difficult. But I think I've narrowed it down to two. And I'm going to get hate for this, but I don't care. My two favorite Sammy era Van Halen songs are Don't Tell Me What Love Can Do and Right Now. <sighs> the message I, in, in those two songs. All I can remember, I, I, know, I, I, I know what you mean about right now, but I was always so distracted from the video. Yeah, the video is the, and and you know what it means like you know the fear of being you know followed by a duck. <laughs> if you watch the video, you know what that fear is. Yes, and it's like I swear I didn't even listen to the lyrics ever until it might have been on the radio. And oh, there's not a video that I have to read now. Right. It, it's it's kind of like the uh, the REM end of the world where Michael Stipe is throwing the cue cards like a la Bob Dylan. Ah, okay. Okay, or uh, in excess did it too. In excess did it. Uh, Dirty little Se the song "Dirty Little Secret" has a bunch of stuff popping up like that, kind of the same type vibe. But I mean, for me, they're just fantastically written songs, and the message in those two songs are it's really timeless. Um, in fact, the the day that Eddie passed away, I posted on I posted on Facebook. Um, a link to the video for right now and in the current climate that the United States is in it really really fits oh yeah it definitely does but uh, <clears throat> okay so now we've gone that far down this rabbit hole what's your favorite Eddie guitar solo from either I mean it doesn't have to be eruption it could be a just a piece out of uh, of a song, you know, a solo section out of a song. See, I didn't know I was going to be, it's going to turn into a quiz show. Uh, you know, <laughs> this is how the, these discussions start, man. Yeah, I know. But it's, I don't, I am terrible at naming like songs and parts of songs that even ones that I like, you know, I mean, there are times when it's like, I'll know a song forever. Right. But I don't know what the name of the song is. So I don't know if I like it or I don't. Okay. Well, that's it's like I said, you're more of a guitarist than I am. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a pass on that one. All right. But my favorite, my favorite Eddie solo is actually, a, it's a Roth era solo. I love the solo from Jump. Okay. The solo from Jump is just, it, it's so musical and so perfect for that song. And that's Ed at, you know, that's, you know, Ed doing Ed stuff. Yeah. To kind of put a bow on this conversation about the uh, the legend that was and will always be Eddie Van Halen. For my generation, for our generation of musicians, especially guitar players, the great debate was always Randy Rhodes or Eddie Van Halen. And anyone who knows me knows I was always a Randy Rhodes guy. I named my firstborn after Randy Rhodes. However, when Ed passed away, we lost not only a great guitar player, 
but a cultural icon and an, a musical icon and a guy whose accomplishments and contributions to the music world can never, ever be replaced, downplayed, or duplicated. There will never be another Eddie Van Halen. He rewrote the book on how to play rock guitar. Oh, yeah. He, he, did, he did things outside that, uh, I mean, it's common knowledge now that he did work on Michael Jackson's album. Yes. You know, but at the time, it was just a really cool riff. Right. You know. Well, did you know? Uh, here's, a, here's a little did you know. Um, Eddie actually rearranged that song. The, uh, when he came into the studio to do the guitar part for Beat It, uh, he heard the way that the track was initially written and along with Michael's collaborators rearranged it to what everyone heard as the finished track of Beat It. And another interesting little tidbit about that, he didn't get paid for that. Mm. He refused to get paid for it. Did he get credit on the album? He got credit. All right. Or no, actually, I don't think he was credited. Well, when you go home, I know you have Thriller. Look it up. I don't have Thriller. Lies? I don't think I have Thriller. I don't know. I have a lot of albums. But Dirty Lies, we know you have it. Oh, like you couldn't just Google that, really. We live in the luckiest era <laughs> in the world. Yes, no, we do. Nobody has to ask, you know, oh, I, I don't know. Let me wait till I get home. No, let me look it up now. I'm not going to. But I could if I wanted to. Right. But I, I don't think Eddie was actually credited on that album. Okay. So okay, we've steered this into a musical, uh, uh, into a musical portion of the show. Go. Oh, and the knuckles crack. <laughs> what is your, uh, what is your best example of a band changing like a main member, either the lead guitar player, lead singer, whatever, and still having a level of success and a level of uh, enjoyability for their for their fans. Probably Ozzy. Good choice. Because I mean, I mean, I love my favorite album from Ozzy is always Ultimate Sin. Really? Yes. Jakey I, Lee. I, I absolutely love that album. But I also, I enjoy a lot of the, the uh, No Rest for the Wicked. Right. But so, I, and I feel that from Randy Rhodes to Jakey Lee to Zach Wilde, I mean, he just was able to constantly keep keep going. Right. And, and the music never really faltered. No. Um, now, I'm not the biggest Jakey Lee fan. But, I mean, Ultimate Sin and Bark at the Moon are great records. Yes. And, obviously, I'm a Randy Rhodes guy. I'm partial to his to his stuff over even Zach's, and I love Zach. I have, fuck, I have the Black Label Society tattoo, or logo tattooed across my back. Yeah, yeah. No, no Rest for the Wicked. It was just... No an, Rest is great. An amazing album. But, for me, my, like, my favorite Ozzy album, most people would say, like, most Randy guys would say Blizzard of Oz. I like Diary of a Madman. Yeah, that's that's actually one. Well, that is one that I've played so much. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I yeah that those two between that and and uh, Ultimate Sin I played I played so much of those two. I, I love those. I love both of those albums. Okay. What about uh, John Bush joining Anthrax? I thought that was a good choice. 
I really did. I, so did I. Because for you know the thing though, it it worked for the time. Yes, because hair metal or glam or whatever people. Yeah, right. We don't care about offending people, right? right. Hair metal is hair metal. That's right. Was on its way out. Yes, and grunge was on its way in, and lyrics started sounding a little bit more rough edged and more dirty. Right. Well, the singers did. So, I mean, for them to get him in and sound a white noise, there was no comic book references on that album. No, the only, you pop, know, like the only pop culture reference that was on that album was uh, Black Lodge. Yeah, there, there was not anything on that album that sounded like an Anthrax album. You're, the closest thing does that, in my opinion, that sounded like old school Anthrax was probably the first, the opening track. Only? No, not only. No, only is track two. I was born to love you. I was told to hate. Oh, Jesus Christ. Hang on. We're going to have to edit this out so I can think No, no, it's just If anybody knows it, please call in. <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, you can email email us at oh no not them pod at gmail.com. We have an email address. We have an email address. You can find us on Facebook at oh no not them pod. You can also find us on Twitter at oh no not them pod one. I'm gonna Google that just because just the, the album because I, I just I, I need to know what that that I'll always be your scapegoat. You never take the blame. Easy, you're gonna get us for copyright. Yeah, I know. No, go on, filler. God filler. damn it! Oh, this is uh, the only thing I can think of to fill this is to like sing along with the lyrics until you find it. Come on, what's the opening <laughs> track on "Sound of White Noise"? It shouldn't be this difficult. Look, I have an iPhone six. Okay, I'm a little bit behind. Oh my god! And it's it's oh, half, oh. it's half broken. Okay, what is Lisa? Room have? for one more. Up oh, there, you go. No, room for one more is not the opening track. God, well, I just I just picked one that they said it was. Oh, you're dumb. It doesn't say. Hang on. Let let, let me get a real phone out here. Okay, Google. Sound of white noise oh my, track oh, list. Come on, it's you know you. <sighs> Potter's Field. That's. Exactly what it was about to say before you cut me off. No. So anyway, Potter's Field um, is as close to an old school sounding mm. anthrax track as I think you'll find on that record. However, other than Among the Living, Sound of White Noise is my favorite anthrax record. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm still spraying the disease. Great album. Uh, Among the Living was the one that got me into anthrax. Shout out, th- shout out to shout out to Tony for introducing me to that. I'll always remember you for that. I, I think we, that we we vandalized. I think the statute of limitations is out on this. We vandalized the ski ball redemption area with lyrics from uh, Among the Living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the statute of limitations has expired on all of our capers at Dorney Park and Wildwater Kingdom. Uh, that that could fill an entire episode. <laughs> we, I think we'll have to do that. <laughs> So, um, you're a big Aerosmith fan. Oh, huge. Huge Aerosmith fan. What about when uh, 
Brad Whitford and Joe Perry were no longer with Aerosmith for like those two, three albums. Yeah, Rock and a Heart Place was a really good album. And um, Night in the Ruts, also a really good album. Um, Joni's Butterfly was on those. And um, Coney Island Whitefish Boy. Uh, okay. Excellent. Like I said, I think they did an excellent job filling those spots. Okay. Now, on the other side of that coin, where did a band go absolutely fucking balls out wrong when they replaced somebody? Oh, hmm. I can think of one right off the top of my go, head. Go ahead. Give me a, let, me, let, me, let me process that a bit. I hate to say it, Ed. I hate to say it. But when you guy when Van Halen hired Gary Sharon, that was a blunder of epic proportions. That the the Van Halen three album is just not good. That's just no bueno, no bueno, no bueno. I'm trying to think of when I know when certain bands they didn't change any members and just went downhill for me. Okay, like Aerosmith. Uh, Nine Lives to me was her last good album. And then Just Push Play was just all filler. Yeah. W- was that when they stopped working with uh, John Kaladner? Uh, it might have been, but also Bruce Fairburn. There was a lot. Of, I know there was a lot of behind the scenes drama with Bruce Fairburn as well. Yeah, Bruce, it, Fair, for, for those who don't know, uh, John Kaladner was their A&R guy. And he was him and uh, him and Rick Rubin were pretty responsible for putting the classic Aerosmith lineup back together for permanent vacation and getting them back in a record deal. Bruce Fairburn was their producer and was also one of the guys that was responsible for bringing in guys like Desmond Child to write songs with the band. So they are pretty much responsible for, or not responsible, but they had a huge hand in helping... Aerosmith have a resurgence in their career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Done with Mirrors though was a good. It was. I wish they would have went on the track they were doing Done with Mirrors. Yes, because that was that was old school Aerosmith at its finest. That was still gritty, sleazy rock. Yeah, Permanent Vacation, as good as an album was, and of course, Permanent Vacation was one of the ones that was all over MTV. You know when? Um, here's a throwback when video cassettes were a thing, and you could buy. Like the band stuff. Yes, or Hard and Heavy Video Magazine. Yes. Uh, Aerosmith was all over that. Yes. So, and it was really, it was really good songs, but I really felt that a lot of the trumpets, it was almost like ska rock, that before ska was a thing. Well, no, it didn't have the skanky beat to it. It was, uh, it was, okay. Ragdoll was sleazy. It was sleazy, but it wasn't skanky, you know, up, you know, yeah. Like like a ska song, like something by the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones or Real Big Fish. It was the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones if they were a lounge act. Mm, okay. It's hard it's hard to think of a band that changed a member for me and just kind of did poorly cuz even Motley Crue's uh album with uh John Karabi. John Karabi, yes. It's an actually it's a good album. It's if you don't sit <clears> there and th- if you don't sit there and think, "Oh, I want to listen to a Motley Crue album." It's it's a really good listen to. I don't di- I I don't disagree. A song like like Hooligans Holiday is actually one of my favorite Motley tracks. Mm-hmm. But if you try to listen to it in the vein of 
a Motley Crue record, yeah. like Allah shout at the devil, right? You're gonna, you're not gonna be happy. It's, 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 I, I, and I, I had old school Anthrax fans that hated Sound of White Noise because the sound of the band changed and the singer changed and it wasn't Joey Belladonna. Drastically, it changed so drastically. But again, it's it's all about also growing with the music because I would have never heard of Armored Saint. Right. If it wasn't for that happening in Anthrax. Right. And, and to think that almost never happened yeah. because John Bush was offered the spot singing for Metallica at one point. James wanted to just play guitar. But John Bush said, you know, no, I got this Armored Saint thing going, and he declined the invite. How dr- how would that have changed the music world? Uh, I think, I, I I don't know if Metallica would have survived that. Because Hetfield has such a... Distinct. A, a, voc- a vocal presence in that band. Yes. You know, I mean, honestly, Metallica, I, I am not sure what happened to them. Somehow I was along for the ride constantly, though. I never could say a bad thing about any album except St. Anger. <laughs> you know what? And it hasn't grown on me. I've tried. Uh, there, there are bright spots in St. Anger. They're, they're, it, it, they're bright spots, but it's a 30-watt bulb. <laughs> um, even like Load and Reload have their bright spots. They have their moments. The only one I absolutely shat on was uh, the one they did with Lou Reed. I don't even count that as an album. Okay, that, fair. That, yeah, but that was just... I mean, you know, the thing, if they would have just released it as an instrumental without the vocals... that Okay. It, it actually is a good listen, but the minute Lou Reed starts talking... And you know what? I don't know much about Lou Reed. I'll, I'll claim ignorance on that. And if he's this wonderful person who's done a lot of great things, he didn't show it on that record at all. Okay. Um... Yeah, that was that Lola. I think it was called Lola. It was something Lulu. No, Lulu. Lulu. Was, okay, yeah, that was that was creepy ass mannequin on the cover. That was a misstep, if there ever was a misstep. But at at that point, Metallica had such had such cachet that they could do whatever they wanted, and it was like maybe not sell because I don't think Lulu sold very well. You know, it probably did from fans that just would buy it up and just because because it's Metallica. Yeah. It, it, it probably sold wonderfully. And then they listened to it. Right. You know, because, you know, unfortunately, you know, nowadays, you darn kids don't know that you could listen to music a long time before you bought it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, here's another one. This is a, this one's a... a little bit more obscure you may not even be aware of them um but i'm a huge fan of a band called mushroom head i think i've heard you mention them from time to time uh yeah i i would hope so <laughs> yeah. my my right forearm the logo's tattooed on there um i've that's the one band i've seen more times than i've seen slayer wow yes i've seen slayer i think eight times and I've seen Mushroom Head no less than 14 times. Um, they have gone through a few singers over the years. Um, when they originally formed uh, back in Cleveland, Ohio, it was, a, it was like a kind of like a uh, an all-stars group of Cleveland's best metal musicians. They got together 
And they all wore masks and costumes and gimmicks on stage because they didn't want to get recognized from their other bands. I was going to say, was that something for them? <laughs> they, they didn't want to get recognized for the, from, their, from their other bands. And originally, their lead singer, they had two lead singers, uh, Jeffrey Nothing and Jason J-Man Popson. And then uh, they released a few albums with that lineup. And then J-Man left for... Uh, to take care of his father, his ailing father. So they brought in this uh, new singer named Waylon Rivas from a band called Three Quarters Dead. Check them out. They're fucking amazing. Um, who, and Waylon is, by the way, now the lead singer of a band called The Killer's Confession. Check them out. They're fucking amazing. Um, and Waylon was a different vocal style than Popson because the way Mushroom had worked was uh, nothing did uh, uh, Jeffrey nothing did more of the clean vocals while Popson did the cookie monster growling rapping type vocals Waylon was able to handle J man's stuff and add a more melodious harmo- harmonious voice as well and then J man came back and mushroom head was rocking three singers for a while hmm. check out the album the righteous and the butterfly Fuck. I might have to actually look some of this stuff up. Um, the, the Righteous and the Butterfly album is so great. And you have elements of all three singers on that. Well, um, for personal reasons and monetary reasons, Waylon left the band. And then they were rocking just the two singers again with nothing and with... Uh, with Jeffrey Nothing and with J-Man. Well, now Jeffrey Nothing has left the band. So they recruited this guy named Steve Rockhorst. And Steve Rockhorst isn't a bad singer. I don't know what he did before Mushroom Head. But on the new Mushroom Head record, which is a pretty damn good record, to me, it's kind of a misstep because Rockhorst, is, Rockhorst isn't trying to be himself. Mm. He's trying to channel his inner Jeffrey nothing. And I, I just, uh, me personally, I think it would be better if Rock Horse just did what Rock Horse does instead of trying to be Jeffrey nothing. That would have been like, uh, <clears throat> that would have been like John Bush coming in and trying to sing like Joey Belladonna. Yeah. Because I think what made, what made the Bush era stuff work is John Bush's voice. Oh yeah, it was totally different. Right. It was a whole, it was a completely different band for a while. Well, yeah, I mean that's the time when Danny Spitz left the band. Even no, Danny was in that one. Well, he no, was, he was he was up until I think he left after Stomp Four Four Two. A lot of people left after Stomp Four Four Two. A lot of fans left after Stomp Four Four Two. That that was, you know, and yeah, you know, who knows what? I mean, they're they're put they're trying to put their best stuff out there, but then Volume Eight. I don't know if that one came out first or second. Volume Eight was not a good one. Volume Eight was the third John Bush record. Yeah. That was after Stomp 442. Yeah, it's like they, you know, I'm, I'm glad they kind of had a bounce back for me with their latest records, Worship Music and We Are Kings. For All Kings. Okay, okay. There's Kings in it somewhere. Okay, since we're talking about For All Kings, what do you think of the song Breathing Lightning? I'm not sure. Anthrax wrote a pop, wrote a pop song. They wrote tons of pop songs. But they wrote, no, this one's like, this one was specifically, hey, we're going to get this fucker on the radio. Honestly, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure which one that is. 
you'll have to listen to it. It's a fantastic song. See, like I said, I listen to the albums. I don't know the names of the songs. I just like to listen to the music. Yeah, well, I like to I like to like know what the hell I'm listening to. You're the kind of guy that just puts on Spotify and hits shuffle of whatever. No, no. Pandora. <laughs> Go figure. You use the low rent one. Yeah. Let me tell you what is on my, my playlist on Pandora. Talk amongst yourselves. It's going to take a bit. Okay. Um, since he's trying to pull up a playlist on a 47-year-old iPhone, I bet you his wife has an iPhone 10. My son has a has a more newer phone than mine. Oh my God, Ryan is eight. Yeah, no, he's nine. He's nine. Okay, he's nine. He's nine. Well, to be to be fair, I think Alistair has an I, right. an iPhone. My nine. stations are Van Halen at the top. Okay. Typo negative. Okay. Guar. <laughs> Alice Cooper. Nice. The White Stripes. Ew. Hailstorm. Nice. Judas Priest. Airborne, and the Misfits. Nice. So okay. I have a nice, uh, this is what I listen to when I'm at work, because well, I can listen to <laughs> as loud as I want. No one's around me. Well, so can I, because I'm on the road all day. Um, today, I w- today, after listening to the Jim Cornette experience, got to listen to Corny. Um, eh. Uh, not eh. <laughs> if you're a wrestling fan, you got to listen to Corny. Oh, oh, well, uh, I hope he doesn't block me on Twitter because I don't like him. <laughs> I don't think he even knows you exist, and that may be a good thing. Goddamn! My outlaw mud show, motherfucker! I was listening to my Guilty Pleasures podcast. Okay. So, uh, Take Me Home Tonight by Eddie Money, Two Tickets to Paradise, Jesse's Girl, Don't Stop Believing, Any Way You Want It. Ooh, this one's a guilty pleasure, sure as hell. Lick It Up by Kiss. A very underrated album. Vinnie Vincent is awesome. <laughs> yeah, just ask Slaughter how awesome he is. There's a ba- hey, there's a band that should not have replaced members. They didn't. They just kicked the fucking lead guy. They just kicked the namesake out. Yeah. No, two of the, two of the members. You got half a tribute band. Literally half a tribute band. Oh, you're talking about modern Slaughter. No, Kiss. Oh, Kiss. Some people like steak. And some people like chicken. And that's the beautiful thing about kids. See, just be careful because they're going to put the makeup on you and you're going to replace Paul Stanley and no one will notice. I think he's a little taller than me. You put the boots on. What are you kidding me? I don't have the abs for it. <laughs> I think, you know what? I think you could probably, their, their makeup, smoke mirrors and all that stuff that they do, the breathing fire and flames and whatnot. Well, that's Gene that does the breathing fire and whatnot. No, they all do it. They all, everybody's up there. They, 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 the guy, what, they're 70, 80 years old? You know? I mean, my God. Yeah, but Gene Simmons invented water. He did. He did invent water. Yes. You better watch what we say. No, He's going he's to sue us. Yes. He has better lawyers than me, and I have good lawyers. Yeah, we're building a hit list so far. We got Jim Cornette. We got... Uh, Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons on that one. I'm, I'm sure, you know, Sammy Hagar is not going to speak to me anymore. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, Sammy will still talk to me, so it's all good. I, and, and, hey, Sammy, shout out. I love the Cabo Wabo tequila. It's fantastic stuff. Uh, I will say this. I will say this. That is really good tequila, and I hate tequila. I got to have that at my dad's birthday party because he was, you know, everybody was buying him drinks, and he 
did not drink tequila. He said, here, drink this for me. <laughs> it is such a good tequila. It is delicious. Yes. Now, did you do you know which which uh, which particular one it was? Was it the Reposado? Was it the Blanco? I don't. It was in a glass. What? Okay. It was poured. I'm not behind the bar. It was poured before I even got it. Okay. Dear God. Okay. Uncultured swine. No, you don't ask. You don't ask what's in your drink. It's just that's just rude. If somebody hands you a drink, you drink it. Then I am the rude. I am the rude. We know that. We all know that. Everybody that knows you knows you're rude. I am the rudo, not the technico. See, when I mention people on here, except for Tony, I'm going to change their names. So if I have a story that involves a Tim, I might call him Alan. And then I might change Alan to Tim. I then also might forget completely and just like name blast everybody. Oh, so oh, believe me, my stories will not be edited for the f- to protect the innocent. Well, I think I think I should in some of them because I don't want I don't want people like, you know, hearing this. Oh, my God, you did that because a lot of these people have children now. Uh, you know what? You're right. But like most of the stuff, at least the statute of limitations has run out. I think so. Our shenanigans were a long time ago. They were fun shenanigans. <laughs> they were fun shenanigans. I don't. I don't think we could get in trouble. For, I'm. No, I'm still not going to say what they were because people will be like that. You know, probably remember and no, that was bad. You shouldn't have done that. There was a lot of things we shouldn't have done, but we did. Yeah. Can you imagine the shit that we would have got in if everybody had cameras back then? Oh, I, we. I we probably would have been you know detained almost immediately. Yes. And I feel I feel you see it wasn't like, you know, I'm now just to clarify, we weren't going around like stealing bikes and breaking into garages no, and things like that. We we never did anything destructive and we never stole anything. Yeah. Our our shenanigans were mostly harmless. Yeah. Like, you know, moving moving road signs around to to you know, divert traffic sometimes. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> Um, moving recycling dumpsters, allegedly. We were doing our part for the environment. Yes. <laughs> well, well, the recycle the recycles needed to be sorted. Yes, we weren't dumping them. We were not dumping them. We were relocating them. Yes, for for proper sorting. Yes, and we thought that the spectators at the school could use a better vantage point. So the bleachers had to be moved. Oh, man. That was, I was not. Uh, I think I think I was uh, sick that day. I think you were. <laughs> I think you were. Oh, God. Like I said, like I said, it's a good thing that camera phones didn't exist when we were oh, younger. Oh, our generation is is thrilled to death that camera phones didn't exist or not this. Tic Tac or whatever it was. It's just, you can't, you know. Well, dude, I have a sister who's 17 years younger than me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Amber still says that I'm an asshole because I ruined everything for her because I did it all before she had a fucking chance to. And my mom knew all the tricks because I did it. Yeah, I mean, I think I think my kids are going to have a harder time because I knew I knew how to hide stuff. Yes. So 
they're not as a day. I mean, I, I look in their rooms and think I know where I would hide things. So you're getting away with nothing. Right. You know, but my mother was great because she would always tell me how she caught me. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I was like, oh, the next time do it differently. Yeah. You know, <laughs> see, I, I, my mom figured out my, my mom figured out a lot of my shit. But she never hipped me to how she found out. I have my suspicions. And I know some I know some people that I pulled some capers with had to be fucking snitches. But that's another story for another time. She never grilled me on anything that I remember. What, my mom? Yeah. Now, like I said, that I remember. Well, because there's a lot uh, of my youth that I think I've blocked out completely. Well, to be fair. When we were younger, uh, during our high school days, my mom didn't care for you at all. My mom didn't really like you. She tolerated you because I like because we were friends. She didn't really care for you. Simone, on the other hand, loved me. Yeah, I could never figure that one out. You know, then again, you don't you were a bit more clean cut back then. What are you trying to say? You were you you cleaned your hair you wore clean clothes you didn't have a beard my clothes are clean my hair you, is clean you my weren't all inked up you didn't you didn't look so terrible i mean i know how you were but on the outside you know just because i look like a fucking homeless guy it's like one of those harry potter every flavor beans i mean it looks like tutti frutti and you pop it in your mouth up oh, it's vomit okay uh to those that don't know us i i look like a bit of a caveman uh my hair is very my hair is getting quite long my beard is getting slightly unruly and the reason for that is my sister is a is a hairstylist cosmetologist no she's a hairstylist She's a licensed hairstylist in the state of Pennsylvania. She's not a cosmetologist? No, she was a cosmetology student, but she's a hairstylist. And uh, my sister has a propensity for cutting her hair a lot. Uh, Changing her hairstyle a lot. Changing her hair color a lot. And because of this pandemic, she has kind of let her hair grow. So back in July, she says that... uh, puts a post up on Facebook setting about her hair getting long. And I replied to it as a nice brother says, Hey, your hair looks, your hair looks nice like that. So my sister says, I'll make you a deal. I won't cut it for a year. If you don't cut yours for a year. I of course agree. Gives me an excuse to not cut my hair for a year. And then I say, I'll even up the ante. I won't shave for a year. Now, hang on. For First of all, she doesn't have a beard, I think. No, she doesn't have a beard. <laughs> but also, there's like no money involved in this. No, it's purely for shits and giggles. So, I mean, there should be some, like the first one to get a haircut, which I know it'll be her. Because you wouldn't care if you look like ZZ Top for all. <laughs> well, no, I wouldn't. Oh, I'm sure she'll I'm sure she'll break before me. Oh, but there's no there's no stakes on this. This is just for fun. I mean, if somebody would happen to happen to come up to you and like, you know, accidentally touch your beard with some like honey or something like that. I'm saying accidentally. I'm not telling anybody. I know where you live. I'm not telling anybody to do this. I know where you live. 
I mean, I'm just I'm just saying, chewing gum. Or <laughs> you freeze it and put peanut butter on it, it'll come out. And then you dip that in a ranch dressing. Well, well shit, that mean that would mean I would have to stick my head in the freezer or something. Oh, oh let me be there for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're fifty three minutes into this shit show. <laughs> I guess we should address the elephant in everybody's room. Um, the, the the pandemic, you know, how how it, how has this uh, affected your everyday goings on? Well, I'll be honest. Um, I kind of enjoy it for what it is because people have to stay away from me. Yes. Uh, there, you know, I don't, I really don't care for crowds and which is strange because I really enjoy concerts, right? But that crowd's acceptable because that's a, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's a bunch of, of, of sweaty mains, uh, rocking out to a, a good band, but I'm not touching that with a 10 foot pole <laughs> or eight foot. No, Hungarian. no, no. But it's, I, I, I just don't like, I mean, one of the places that is, is now pretty much I'm not going to anymore. I I have to shop at Wegmans every now and again. Okay. Um, for some uh, food that my kids eat, and that place is is terrible. The whole the whole experience. There's no courtesy in that place. Everybody's they're leaving carts a million miles. My stress level goes through the roof. And the last time I was there, I happened to see a woman open up a a bag with a mask in it. Try the mask on and put it back what? in the package. Oh, bro. And you know what? I would have said something, but I was I just wanted to get the hell out of there because it's like that, that place just puts me on edge all the time. And at least when everything started, I would go to the store and there was no one around me. Right. There was no one to the left of you. No one. To, oh, it's so nice. Just no one crowding me. You know, and I don't like I, I I don't like that people are dying and getting sick. I don't want that. And, you know, I I have a lot of hobbies that just keep me at home and I'm I'm fine. I do miss going out. I really do. But I can take a year off. Yeah. You know, I can take a year off. And I'm fine with it. Yeah. Everything that I wanted to really kind of go out and do was canceled anyway. You know, so I'll just I can wait. Yeah. I mean, there's there's been uh, some shows that I wanted to go to that got canceled because of this that bummed me out. Um, but I'm I'm in the same boat as you. It it gives, you know, people stay the fuck away from me mm-hmm. for more than the obvious reasons. People stay away from me. I, I'm fortunate in the fact that I work from home. And I work by myself. So my employment really hasn't been affected by it. My wife's was. My wife is a bus driver. Okay. She drives school bus for Northern Lehigh. Well, not bus, but she drives one of the the vans. Um, So her employment was severely impacted by all this. Mine wasn't, however. And I'm like the biggest, the biggest bummer for me. with all of this 
is the fact that the haunted house that I work at, uh, the Halls of Horror here in Palmerton, um, we're not opening this year. Oh, you're not even doing the Halloween night? We're going to do trick-or-treat night. Okay. Um, here, in ta- here in our town, trick-or-treat is from 5 to 7 p.m. on Halloween night. What we're going to do as, uh, as a group, the Halls of Horror crew, is to do something for the kids. We're going to open up part of our attraction, the out- some part of the outdoor section, and do a little walkthrough for the kids, a little scene, a couple of pop scares, nothing, nothing rager. That way, you know, the kids can have a little bit, you know, a little added something with the with their trick or treat. And then we're having a get together for friends and family and staff afterwards. But um, normally we open the last weekend in September and we run every weekend through Halloween. And this year, Halloween falls on a fucking Saturday. Yeah. Our last night would have been our last night open would have been Halloween night, a full moon, a Saturday, and we lost it. Now I know there's some other ha- haunts in our area that have opened up, but with the style of haunt that we are, we you know our the our owners, uh, Chuck Knight, Linda Pereira, and Earl Boost, um, they decided that we just weren't going to open because for us to water down what we do would be doing a disservice to our fans. And we've over the last 11 years, we've built an incredible fan base there. We have people that come to visit us just to go through a small independent family owned haunted house in a small town in Eastern Pennsylvania we have people that come from all over the country. Oh, I've seen the crowds there. I mean, I mean, we have people that come from all over the country just to see us. Um, a couple of years ago, we had a girl. This one blew my mind. She drove down from New Haven, Connecticut by herself just to go through our haunted house. Hmm. There's a couple uh, that comes up every year from, uh, from North Carolina. They drive up from North Carolina every year and go through. Last year, they went through four times in one night. We've had people from Kansas, California. We've had people come down from Canada. For for a, a place that, you know, our, our, our advertising. Our advertising, last year we did something for the first time. We put billboards in the mall. We bought, you know, the, you know, the little mall kiosks. Yeah. Uh, like the moment that has the moment axe. Yeah. We bought sections of that last year. And that was the first time we've ever done that. <clears throat> Up until last year, all of our advertising was done by word of mouth, our social media presence. And every year we put out about 60,000 discount coupons just here in eastern Pennsylvania. And that's the extent of our advertising. We've been featured by, Blum, by Blumhouse.com. We've been featured by Dread Central. We've been featured on BuzzFeed. Um, it's, it's really amazing what Chuck, Linda, and Earl have built there. And I'm, I'm so proud to be a part of it. 
and so uh, I'm so proud to be able to do what I do there and create what I create there because they give me almost complete autonomy <laughs> to come up with my characters and flesh out my characters the way I see fit. And I have four or five different characters that I can run, but by far the most requested one and the one that people like the most is Uncle Touchy. Uncle Touchy the, the is a weird clown. No, he's not a clown. He's not a clown. Wait, now that that's the one where you would paint your beard green and well, no, my, my beard would be different colors and my hair would be different colors. Like a clown. No, not like a clown. It was bad horror hooker. I don't look I don't I don't look down on you for dressing like it that. It was bad horror have, hooker makeup. I have nothing wrong with clowns. No, it's it's not a clown. Much, I don't have a red you know, nose. Much clown respect. I know how to juggle, man. You know, we, I, I don't, we can clown together. I don't have a red nose on. I don't have big floppy shoes. Not all clowns do, man. You're like ICP, man. Oh god. Oh, so, sorry. Oh god. Here we go. Now, Uncle Touchy <laughs> isn't a clown. He's an equal opportunity sex offender. Oh. It's true. That's, that's, his, that's his shtick. He's an equal opportunity sex offender. I, like, I think I like the first, the Slipknot guy you did. What, Fury? Yeah. Fury made, uh, Fury made quite a few appearances last year because Uncle Touchy's room, like Uncle, Touch, like Uncle Touchy's playroom, we did away with that the year that I almost didn't work mm -hmm. when I was when I was still a dealer at the casino. Yeah, I quit the day we, I quit the casino the day the haunted house opened. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I I quit my job the day the haunted house opened. Went back to uh, went back to working at the haunted house and Chuck gave me a job yeah. working with him uh, repairing hot tubs. Did did you did you <laughs> repair the hot tubs? Was you hot tub food water? <laughs> did 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 you just walk out or did you uh um well this uh it's it's a it's a shit i'll just tell the story um september 3rd of 2018 i lost my best friend my musical soulmate um the kindest gentlest soul I've ever met um, Mark Carrazzo my brother in every sense of the word other than blood Mark was my brother I lost him to suicide um, he was truly a ray of light in a, in a very often very dark world um, you know Mark was the in, Mark, even more so than you Mark was the end of my yang Oh yeah. Um so I lost Mark on September 3rd. I took a few days off. I was working at the at the what's now the Wind Creek Casino, the Sands. I took a few days off uh so I could help his parents with his final arrangements and the funeral and all that stuff. I went back to work and that night we had a shift meeting. And one of our other dealers was commended because he talked a guy out of jumping off the seventh floor of the parking structure. Guy was going to kill himself, mm -hmm. which is sadly, which happens more often than you would think at that place. Um, I mean, uh, the, the casino industry 
it takes a special breed of person to thrive in that. Um, I had, I mean, physically it was the easiest job I've ever had. I got to play cards all night. I got to play cards and talk to people all night. It was a great job in that respect. But you have the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Because if your players are winning, they're happy. They're loving you, okay? You know, you're there. And then you have a player hits a losing streak. And you are the enemy. Mm. I've had cards thrown at me. I've had drinks thrown at me. Uh, I've been called every name under the sun. Um, but shortly after I went back to work, after Mark passed, and we had this meeting where uh, one of our dealers was, like I said, thanked for talking a player off of, out of jumping. Guys, I'm dealing blackjack, and a guy is uh, he's on a lo- he's on a losing streak, partly because the cards aren't in his fa- aren't work coming out in his favor, partly because he's playing fucking stupidly. He's not playing with any sort of blackjack, uh, you know, basic blackjack strategy. And I'm called everything under the sun. I'm called, I'm motherfucked up and down the table. You know, you fucking cocksucker. This, that, the other thing. Well, then he proceeds to call my mother a whore. And then he calls my dad a cocksucker. Now, I'm sure if he'd ever met my dad, he wouldn't have said that. My dad is six foot three and about 380 fucking pounds. I'm sure he wouldn't have said that if he'd ever met my dad. But anyway, at that point, I'd had enough. And I lean in, I lean in nice and close to him, and I say, buddy, a year ago, we wouldn't be having this conversation. He says, why is that? I said, because I'd have just drug you across this table and beat your fucking brains in. Mm. And he says, oh, really? I said, if you doubt anything I'm saying to you, my shift ends at 4 a.m., which was another thing I didn't like. Mm. Um... My shift ends at 4 a.m. and I'm parked on the seventh floor. I'm not hard to find. I went home that night. Uh, obviously, he didn't show up. He didn't, you know, he 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 didn't want to fight me. Um, and I'm kind of glad because I didn't want to fight either. I was in a really bad mental spot. Um, but anyway, I go home, and now. My shift was 8 p.m. to 4 a.m. I would get home roughly 5, 5.15, just in time to see my wife leave for work. And then I would stay up, get my kids off to school, and then I would crash. I woke up that afternoon around 12 o'clock with just a ball of fire in my stomach. I said, I can't fucking do this anymore. So I called Chuck. And I said, hey, are you still looking for uh, help with the hot tub business? He says, yeah, why? I said, where are you at? I'll, be, I'll, I'll come meet you. And I went down, talked to Chuck. We worked out a deal. Um, that was on a Friday that that conversation happened. I went home. I called the casino. I quit effective immediately. And uh, the following Monday, I took my uniforms and my... IDs and all that stuff back to the casino, handed them in, and went to work for Chuck repairing hot tubs. And I did that for almost a year, um, and I never looked back. It was and for for pulling me out of there, I can't thank Chuck and Linda enough. They saved my life, they really did. 
they saved my life. Because I was in, I was in a, I've, I've inhabited dark head spaces a time or six in my life, but never like that. That was a whole new level. But brother, I could tell you some stories about some shit that went on in that place. Oh, I don't doubt it. We'll have to do an episode on that. <laughs> but yeah. Dorney Casino. <laughs> Guar show. All that. Oh. We can end we can end this on there there's a happy thing to end on. Yes. The, the mosh pits we've been in. Okay. <laughs> oh Jesus. <laughs> oh shit. Since we were talking about Carrazzo, let's bring this one up. Um you weren't there for this one. Um it was me. Mark and my two oldest sons, Jesse and Randy. We went to Mayhem Festival at Montage. Now, at the time, Randy was, I think, 15, 16, and Jesse was about 11. Okay? So, Mushroom Head is playing on one of the second stages. We're going down, and I, sa- I tell Randy, I say, you and Jesse, I want you to stay here. I push, I put them at the at the mic where the mixing board was set up. Yeah, I said you guys stay here. I'll be back. I'm going up in the. I'm going up to watch Mushroom Head. Mark says I'm going with you. Okay, so <laughs> we go in. We wade into the fucking crowd. Uh, you know, work our way in. I got my phone out. I'm starting to snap pictures as Mushroom Head's walking on the stage. And then the taped intro. Carrazzo is at my left shoulder. Like we're shoulder to shoulder. I put my phone away. I look at Mark. I say, wait for it. Wait for what? You'll know when it happens. And with that, the song drops. And the mosh pit just explodes. I look to my left. Where the fuck is Mark? He's gone. He disappeared. (laughs) I didn't see him again until Mushroom Head was done playing. He was back at the fucking board with my kids. <laughs> it's like, fuck that. That's not the attitude to have. But I know, but I know Mark. Mark, Mark wouldn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that wasn't his scene. He, 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 would get, he would get into the mosh, but he was like, guys, use your words. Guys. Yes, he would have. He would have he <laughs> been the guy trying to, trying to encourage the fucking two-steppers to use their words. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, the one you were there for, Slayer, was that the was that the one where the guy landed on you? Yes, and and then later on was that? Oh God, I don't remember. Was that the first? Oh, I was that. Oh, I'm trying to get that's the one that the guy landed on me as well. I one of them, I was front row center of Slayer, which my God, that that is like was not even on my bucket list because, but but you did it. But but front row center of a Slayer show is just an amazing place. And I had this, I'm going to guess that he was at least 400 or so. Yeah. He was, he was quite the big fella. And he just, de- he decided or someone decided for him somehow that, Oh, crowd surfing. That's what a 400 pounder should do. Okay. If you're over 250, stay off the crowd. I'm being polite in the wait right now. Yes. So he gets up. Now, I see the security guys in front of me look wide-eyed like a semi is coming towards them. I have no idea why they're looking like that, but it happened so fast I probably didn't even care. It turns out they were going to catch the guy and gently bring him over the railing. 
he didn't so much catch him as he landed on me. I was bent in half over the railing with he. The guy was trying to lightly get behind me while security's trying to drag him over. Finally, they get him. Messed up my back for a little bit, but strangely, I bowled better. I don't know what happened. Security looks at me and is like, are you all right? And at that point, I was like, yeah, I was fine. After the adrenaline stopped. Oh, that adrenaline dump is a motherfucker. Oh, it? it was so painful. That wasn't the... I've gotten black eyes. I've gotten kicked in the head multiple times. I couldn't even tell you which was the most violent or most fun. No, wait, I can't. Guar. Guar was the most fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that, pit, that pit was just... There wasn't even a pit. It was the crowd. Yes. It was just insane. Well, the the Slayer show that I think you're talking about was at the Sands. Yeah. Slayer, Exodus, and Suicidal Tendencies. Yes. Okay. That is the one. That's the same one where the dude got dropped off of me. Got dropped on me. Yeah. It's the only mosh pit I've ever left in my life. I wonder if it was. A, see, I wasn't even in a pit. I was just. Um, I was in the suicidal <clears throat> pit when the guy toppled over i think you were there too the guy fell in front of us yep and everybody's yelling at him pick him up pick him up you pick him up he's your friend and there was nobody even moshing around he's in no danger let him sleep yeah <laughs> well that show um that show we walk into the sands event center it's me it's bill and me my oldest son randy and mark now mark's uh, uh mark was a little guy he was you know Five, six, 150 pounds-ish. You know, Mark's a, Mark was a slight gentleman and a pacifist. Yep. My oldest son, on the other hand, is about 5 foot 11 inches tall and at the time was probably about 280 pounds. So we walk in and Bill and I, being old old fucking pros at this <laughs> right down on the floor i look back i say are you guys coming mark says no nah, i'm gonna stay here my kid says to me fuck that <laughs> his exact words and they stayed up in the wings while bill and i got the shit kicked out of us for three <laughs> bands <laughs> great show great show yeah it, it, there's nothing i mean i don't even know what, where the the de- people would be listening to this, but if you ever have a chance to go into a pit just do it yeah, I mean, look, bruises heal, like, you know, bones can mend, but the experience will last you a lifetime. Yes. You know, I have a jacket and shirt from that Guar show in my in my basement that is stained red of whatever the band was shooting out at that time. If, if you're not familiar with Guar, it's a messy show. Very. <laughs> um, well, the, the, the particular Guar show that, Bill is talking about I just they were playing local to us they were playing at a small theater called the Sherman Theater in Stroudsburg Pennsylvania and uh, I was working with Chuck at the time so him and I spent literally every day together I say hey dude let's go see Guar he says to me what's who's Guar (laughs) so I queue up in the radio on the truck I queue up some Guar uh, we started simple. We started with the Salamanizer. Classic. And then we go to uh, like something like the Morality Squad. Brilliant. Uh, <laughs> and then I up the Andy and I play fucking an animal. <laughs> 
So Chuck's like, what the fuck is this? I'm like, dude, you got to go to a guar show. Trust me, you have to go. Well, how much are the tickets? They're 20 bucks. All right, I'll go. I didn't hip him to what he was in store for. Oh, oh we all could tell that. He had no idea what we were going to see. Now, Bill and I had seen Guar before. Uh, I think Tyler had seen Guar before. A few of the other guys that went with us had never experienced Guar live. And if you've never experienced Guar live, it is like an experience. It is an experience unlike any other concert experience you will ever you will ever see. Go see them and wear white. Yes. We are all in white shirts, and we are all in the first, second, and third rows of a Guar show in a place that with standing room will hold maybe 1,500 people. Yep. Guar takes the stage. They start the first song, and 30 seconds into the first song, they decapitate two soldiers, and blood squirts everywhere. Now, Chuck is the guy who runs the haunted house I was talking about earlier. One of our things is called the blood experience. What that is, is we, we give you, it's $10 more for this. We give you a white Halls of Horror t-shirt that you get to keep. And that tells our actors that you're in for, you're, you're in for the full ride. You're gonna get covered in blood. You're gonna get messy. You might get separated from your group. You know, things are going to happen. Um, nothing bad's going to happen, but you're going to get more than people who just come and do the regular haunt. So all of us are wearing white Halls of Horror t-shirts. Chuck had never seen Guar before. He is covered from head to toe within one song. He looks at me, he says, this is the greatest fucking show I've ever been to in my life. Yeah, and also I... In the third row, I at six two, I was the tallest member of the group. I think at that, there was one person taller than me, but he was not near me. So one of the first psi blasts of something, I took right to the face. Oh, and it was cold. Oh, dude, I had. That was a February, wasn't it? I, I think it was a February because show. we shivered all the way home. Yeah, because that's right. Because the uh, Chuck's party bus, the heat didn't work. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. I got covered. I took a full-on facial from Blothar's fucking uh, from Blothar's uh, prosthetic penis. It's it's an utter thing. Green space jizz, full-on facial. I forgot I was wearing my you know fairly new fifty-dollar Harley Davidson hat. Oh, I forgot I was wearing it. I washed that some bitch three times before all the blood came out. The the shirt I never the shirt has not been washed. The shirt hangs up hangs up in my bedroom. Yep, my hair was stained pink. Which, luckily, I got a cool boss, and pretty much a lot of people were saying, "Oh, you're gonna have to to cut that or or dye it or something. You you can't come to the meetings looking like that." You know, and uh, I was considering I had to dye my hair. I was considering shaving my head. You know, but just you know, because it was as it was like full on. It was, my hair was pink. Well, you texted me. How do you get this shit out of your head? Oh, I, I was trying I was trying to figure out everything. I was going online saying what works, what doesn't. I shampooed it. It just did not work. And my boss looks at it and says, no, leave it in. It looks good. 
okay. <laughs> yeah. It's like the boss is okay with it. I'm okay with it. Yeah. The Guar show. If you've oh. never if you've never seen them, do yourselves oh. a favor. Go see Guar when they come around. Um if you ever find yourself in Richmond, Virginia, uh, I think it's Flattis. Yes. Flattis owns a bar in their hometown of Richmond, Virginia. It's called the Guar Bar. Um, last time I was passing through Richmond, I didn't have time or else I would have stopped. There were two things I wanted to, I, if I would have had time, I would have loved to do. That's go see the Guar Bar and go see Dave Brocky's grave, Odorus Urungus, mm-hmm. the original lead singer. But I didn't have a chance. But if you, if, if you are within the sound of my voice and you have the opportunity to see Guar when concerts are a thing again, do yourself a favor Go see Guar. Yeah. Step outside your comfort zone just for a night. Yes. You know, don't worry about it. You know, post pictures, you know, have a good time. That's all it takes. I mean, I saw people there. I actually saw people there from high school. Yeah. That I couldn't believe even heard of Guar because I thought I was always on the outside looking in a bands like that. Right. You know, and to just see other people that that knew of the band, listened to it. It was great. You know, that's that's the best feeling at a concert because, you know, everyone's there. No one's there to heckle. No, it's all it's a it's the community. Yeah. No one. No one goes to a concert to, to heckle. Well, well, yeah, they don't go to heckle. All right. It, when a band like non points on, though, sometimes you or a band like Asking Alexandria. I don't think I remember them. Oh, dude, I saw them. Um it was at a mayhem festival. I felt bad for these fucking guys. Um, it was the fest. It was the mayhem festival that was headlined by Slayer and Slipknot. Well, the main stage that year, Anthrax said, We're, we want to headline the second stage. So Anthrax headlined the second stage. And they rotated bands to open the main stage. That show at Montage... Asking Alexandria was the opener of the main stage, followed directly by Motorhead, then by Slayer, then by Slipknot. Poor, poor Motorhead. (laughs) I felt bad for Asking Alexandria until Danny Worsnop called the crowd a bunch of assholes. And then I'm like, fuck you. You get whatever you deserve now. But because that crowd was not. They did not want any bit of asking Alexandria. With, with that on the bill, I can't do. You know, I, I know sometimes, I know a lot of times the opening act doesn't get a lot of love. Right. Um, and like I said, I know there are, are probably non-point fans out there, but when I saw them as an opener, they did not impress me one bit. And plus, they're a lot lighter than the bands. Well, who who was the headliner when you saw non-point? Megadeth. Oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. And that <laughs> I remember that show. It was uh yeah, it was uh Megadeth show and uh I've I've seen Megadeth quite a few times. <laughs> right. And um uh not yeah, they were just not uh on board. Oh, well. Well, I mean, that's like um one of the multiple times I've seen Slayer. Mm-hmm. Um Hatebreed opened for them. At, this was at Asbury Park Convention Hall over in Jersey. 
that was a Slayer crowd. They didn't yeah. want no part of Hatebreed. Half the crowd flipped them off, and half the crowd just turned their fucking backs to them. I will say, though, the lineup they pulled for that last tour with Anthrax, Behemoth, and Testament. Uh, don't forget Lamb of God. And Lamb... Okay, I won't forget Lamb of God. Walk with me. You know what? Just for that, <laughs> one week our theme is going to be fucking Walk With Me in Hell. All right, but... <clears throat> Yes, yeah, but even though, like I said, I like their music, not a fan of the singing, but right. p- please no one write in about that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, somebody tag Randy that, Blythe. But that whole that whole set was, by the whole, everybody, it was amazing. Wasn't it, though? I mean, it was like, well, correct me if I'm wrong, you had never heard Behemoth before. Never, that. and I became an instant fan listening to those guys. They are amazing. Yeah, well, do yourself a favor. Um, read Nergal's book. Read uh, Nergal put out an autobiography, the lead singer of Behemoth. I I don't like to read, man. But reading. it's a good read. No, oh, man, it's just. Yeah. But it's called. Confer- is, there, is there an audio book? Like, yes, actually, there is. Good. Is it no, not by somebody like you know? In the days of the. Book. I think Ner- I think Nergal does the voicing of it himself. Oh, he's Swedish, isn't he? No, he's Polish. Oh, same thing. Uh, it's right around the same area, aren't they? Very European. Yes, <laughs> but um, no, his book is yeah. phenomenal. Um, he's he's a uh, he's a leukemia survivor. You're trying to make me feel guilty because no, no, no. I'm just saying he's a okay. leukemia survivor. Don't, don't give me the puppy dog. Eyes. And <laughs> and and he's uh, he was actually a host on Poland's. Like, you know how we have America's Got Talent? Yeah. Well, he was a host and a judge on uh, the Polish version of it. Hmm. F- the, the lead singer of fucking Behemoth. Yeah. Adam Darsky. Um, his his book is really, really interesting because uh, he grew up. Uh, uh, I mean, they have an album out called The Satanist. The book is called Confessions of a Heretic. He's uh, he's an unabashed, avowed Satanist. Um but he grew up, you know, his his parents were ver- his parents were religious and he just rejected the church from an early age. And he's been arrested and threatened with prison time in a few countries for some of his onstage antics, uh, ripping Bibles up on stage and throwing them into. And you're sure he's not Scandinavian because that really sounds like a Scandinavian <coughs> thing. No, he's not Scandinavian. He's Polish. He's from he's from he's from Warsaw, Poland. Well, I love However, their, I love the rice water and they make good music. So. He's um, oh dear god, um, he he was obviously heavily influenced by the Norwegian black metal scene. By you know, I mean, as evidenced by the corpse paint, the yeah. the, the type of music, and the anti Christianity stance. Um, however, he's never done. The shit that that uh, Varg Vickerns did, yeah, it, or or that uh, uh, Faust did, um, you know, all in the name of true true Norwegian black metal. Um, yeah, um, yeah, dude, check out the check out the book. You'll you'll enjoy it. If I had it in print, other than except or instead of my Kindle, I would loan it to you. Kindle? That's 
<laughs> you uncultured swine. It's an e-book. Oh, e-books, e-cigarettes. Does everything have an E in front of it anymore? Yes. As in, we're coming to the e end of this episode. So... Let us know what you guys think. Uh, give us some feedback. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, oh, no, not them pod. You can hit us up on Twitter. No. Yes. Okay. Well, okay. You can hit you up on Twitter. I. Okay. Yes. I, 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 I ban Twitter. Okay. I, I will. I will be running the Twitter and I'm sure I'll be running the Facebook, too. Um, but you can find us on Twitter at oh, no, not them pod one. All together. Um, email us at oh no not them pod at gmail.com. You can find us at acorn dot fm anchor. Ah, sl- oh, shit. Anchor. anchor. You edit. You dumbass. Edit. <laughs> I guess. Don't you dare edit that. You said acorn three times already. You dare me to leave it in, don't you? <laughs> All right, I have to leave it in because Bill's a fuckwit. Anchor.fm slash oh no not them pod. Uh, give us a like. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Um, with that, we'll see you next week. <laughs>